and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'll be your host, and it could be Tuesday, it could be Thursday, it could be Friday, it could be Saturday, it could be the morning, it could be nighttime, but after all, it's your podcast. Now, uh, joining me today, um, I was going to sing a song, but then I realised that would be terrible to give you kind of a clue, um, but I'm not going to, because that would, that, that would absolutely murder it, and there's a possibility that that this particular person has uh, would hang up and they would have no podcast. Um, a, it's there's a lot of buzz around this game. It's almost like it's taken its wings and it's wrapped it round the kind of the board gaming kind of industry at the moment. There's a lot of hype, and uh, it's possibly because of the publisher. It's possibly because of the theme. It's possibly because of the lovely little wooden dice and the little kind of dice tower that you use and the little eggs as well. They're so cute. But we're going to find out because joining me um, is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic Elizabeth Hargrave. So hello, Elizabeth. Hello. Thanks How for are? having me. You're very, very welcome. You've already put up with like about 10 minutes of absolute nonsense. So um, I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud you four times for uh, staying for the right so far. Um, for every anybody who is joining us for the first time, thank you um, for joining us. The reason that we do this is because um, it's an addiction, and I can't be stopped. And I like speaking to people in the board game industry, and that's you know that's as simple as it is. But the other reason it is is we like to speak to designers, developers, artists, um, manufacturers everybody that's involved in this fabulous hobby and uh, I got the opportunity to speak to Elizabeth so that is why she has joined us today. Um, I mean first things first I mean I normally kind of ask people about their history but first things first is I mean how are you how are you doing at the moment? What's mood like in camp you know? It's great this has been really fun. <laughs> I just kind of imagine that you must be waking up like kind of like in a Snow White type thing, and you know all the woodland animals are kind of coming in, and the sunshine's coming in, and there's like beautiful music, and you're just getting up and you're smiling. And that is exactly what my life is like. Have you been spying <laughs> on me? <laughs> you're like the Disney animals rocking up at my house. It's like, what's that all about? I mean, this has kind of. For a lot of people, it's kind of come from nowhere, and now everybody is talking about wingspan. Um, and are you? I mean, we were talking about this early on. It was like kind of like the analogy I was using. It was like kind of like when the when Hugh Jackman did like The Greatest Showman, and like everyone's like, "Ah, because a musical, that's fine." And then people went and seen it and experienced it, and then everybody went kind of crazy for it. And now Hugh was forced to do a tour and not talk about Wolverine. But talk about, <laughs> but talk of it singing and dancing and being, uh, and being Mr. Barnum. So, um, has it been like that for you? Obviously, without being involved in the Marvel universe. Well, my difference is that no one actually wanted to talk to me before, so it's all. Ah. New, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the lead up to Wingspan, we finished working on the actual gameplay. Yeah, at least six months before it actually came out. More the last spring, and um, between needing to finish all the art because we needed unique illustrations for 170 yeah. cards, and that took a while, and then just the manufacturing and shipping process, getting it back from China. Um, 
that all took a while when I wasn't really working on it anymore. I was just kind of doing other things. And, um, and then it was all wingspan all the time. Except I was, uh, I was, uh, I was in the States for the actual announcement on January 2nd. And then mm-hmm. shortly after that, my husband and I went on vacation. Oh, right. Okay. So I was sort of getting these floods of wingspan reactions like every three or four <laughs> days when I would log onto the internet. <laughs> so that was quite strange too. Kind of weird to be thrust into kind of like the spotlight. I mean, I, do you know, I'll be honest. I mean, when we, we had a brief interaction on Twitter, which was me saying, um, I'd like to interview kind of, I think I said Eric Lang and Isaac Vega. And Isaac Vega ended up coming on the show. Eric, you're still absent. But you said, well, here, have you thought about interviewing a couple of other people? And then I just went, well, do you want to come on? And at the time, <laughs> I didn't know you. I didn't know you were involved in Wingspan. So it was a complete... Oh, I didn't <laughs> it was a complete, <laughs> It was a complete kind of like coincidence. And then I kind of like sat there and was like, ah, I better check this person out and find out what's going on. And I was like, ah, mm, Wingspan. Where have I heard that name before? <gasps> it's like, oh my goodness, I've just been extremely kind of slightly <laughs> cheeky to the person that's potentially made one of the biggest games of this year and it's only January. So that's so that's that. So, you know, sorry, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was being cheeky in the first place. It just makes me crazy that there are so many podcasts that are all male. And I believe that my cheekiness to you was... Here is a long list of women you could have on your podcast. I have lots of women on my podcast. Which I have said to many people, and I appreciate it. It's changing. There aren't so many of us in the industry. Yeah. As a proportion. Which is kind of... Do you think that's changing? Do you think that's getting there? I do think it's changing. Um, I think there are a lot of structural reasons that it exists in the first place, but I think people are breaking through some of them, so... Here's another question though, but do you want to get no do you want to be known as a female board game designer or do you not just want to be known as a designer? Yes and no. I mean I want my games to be judged on their merits, right? Like yeah. I don't want special treatment of like, oh, Wingspan is good for a game designed by a woman. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> the pat in the hand and there there, dear. Well done. Go um, you. But it does mean something to me because there are so few visible games, you know, games that have really gotten press and, and widespread mm. attention by women. And I think it's important for, just for people to have that image in their heads that that's a thing that is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you get involved in the hobby, I mean, in the first place? It was a conversation with a group of friends. Um, so my... My friends that I spend the most time with are all big outdoor people. Like all summer, we play very few games and are just like going camping and stuff. And maybe we'll take uh-huh. something camping with us. Um, but so anyway, so we were playing. I don't remember what game. Maybe Carcassonne. This was years ago, and had this whole conversation about like why are there no board games about anything that we are even remotely interested in like why are we playing this game about building little castle walls and um whatever you know trading random goods and cutting down trees and mining ore in (laughs) places um and so the conversation sort of evolved into like, okay, what maybe we just have to, maybe I have to make that game and what would that 
like. So, so did you just go straight into? Does it, did you just go? I mean, how long ago was that? Was that a little while ago? Or have you been? Oh, that was years ago. Cre- so have you been creating kind of games since then? Kind of playing about with the cardboard. So Wingspan was the game that came out of that conversation, but that was like four years ago. Really? It was a long journey. I mean, and it was off and on, and it was just in my spare time, mm. and um, I didn't really know what I was doing at first. But um, after a little while, I took it to an Unpub, which mm. is a big playtesting convention that we have in Baltimore, which is very close to me. Yeah. I'm north of D.C., um, which was terrifying because I knew no one. I mean, I really, I broke in from scratch. I was kind of mostly gaming among my friends and knew no one in the industry. So I go to Unpub. Um, I kind of befriended some local folks there. Yeah. Matthew O'Malley, who also happens to have games with Stonemeyer and other places, several published mm. games. Mm. Actually, his son went to preschool with my best friend's daughter. So she introduced us. So he was wow. like the one person that I knew at Unpub. I went. That's pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's turned out to be just a fantastic friendship, and we get together almost every week now and playtest together. Were you surprised at kind of the number of, when you were walking into a hobby like this, the, the number of people that were actually involved in it, though? That obviously, I mean, I don't think, I don't know, maybe it's because of the circles that I kn- I've found myself moving in now, but it seems that most of the people I know that are involved in the hobby, they're playing games, but there's a lot of them that are involved in either the content creation side of things or actually creating games themselves. And I don't know how prevalent that is. And I wouldn't see, I don't know if somebody's like, say, fishing or what? Okay, hill walking. You don't, (laughs) it's not a case like, well, look at it this way. It's not like you're going up a hill and then somebody turns up and says, well, here, I, I made these boots for us. I want everybody to try them on kind of thing you know yeah i don't think you would get that in any i don't think you would get that in kind of i know the analogy is absolutely terrible and dreadful but you know it's not <laughs> like you're gonna get somebody turning up and saying we're not using the normal tent this weekend i've made my own for everybody to kind of test right. out and see right. what they think Whereas and i'm the gonna board- find a hundred people to test it <laughs> Exactly. I mean, someone does that, right? Like, the, it must be. I'm sure it happens in other kinds of product development, other than games. You have to maybe, get people to try your product. And- maybe there is some kind of whole outdoor kind of camping unpub type thing where everybody kind of meets <laughs> in a forest or a hill, and they're just saying, Do you know, what I mean, maybe maybe there's a Jamie Stegmeyer of the kind of the outdoors, except it's like Jamie but with a really big beard. <laughs> still got the still got the same jolly smile. I mean, right? Just- I mean, if you looked up the founder of Patagonia or North Face or you know one of those, <laughs> did they start out like the Jamie Stegmeyer of that world? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. So. I mean, how did they do it? It's like how did they start off at the beginning? Were they sitting around saying, "Well, I'll tell you what. I used to, I used to just wear kind of slightly comfortable boots with friends." And then I got sick of all the other boots that we were wearing, so I went off to myself and I designed my own kind of boots based around so, my own theme. I'm and pretty then sure I, those people exist. I'm, they have to, otherwise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I don't know. I'm kind of, We'd all be living in caves and sitting around campfires every night if those people didn't uh, exist in all uh, parts uh, of product uh, development, uh, right? It has to be, yeah, exactly. It's just, I think, you know, 
I don't know, maybe there's so many things I don't know. I'm gonna get like the outdoor <laughs> the outdoor outfitters kind of hobby people kinda of chasing after me and saying, <laughs> You're wrong! You're wrong <laughs> We're highly professional. We don't just hang around in wood woods handing out stuff to each other. Maybe I don't know, who knows, who knows? It was there more <laughs> bringing it back in. You know, like a sheepdog rounding up coyotes or something. Um what has there been a couple of games that you've been kind of developed? I mean, are you are you the type of person that you're given? A, did you focus purely on one game at a time, or have you got games at different stages of development? Basically, I know a lot of people that have multiple games going on, and I actually yeah. find that really difficult. So I have a running list of game ideas, yeah. and I might flesh out an idea to like half a page of notes of what it might look like when I actually work on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like going to a playtesting event and spend, you know, doing one playtest of one game and one playtest of another. Like I just can't shift gears in my brain like that. Maybe I'll get there someday. Maybe it's because I'm newer at it. But I think I it's um... I I like to f- focus and stay immersed in something and finish it (laughs) no Um, i think yeah i think there are i mean i I think there's people that that's how they do it they kind of like they're they're like a head chef or something in a kitchen they're just going around between dishes and sampling them and saying right needs more salt needs more meeples needs more worker placements you know get a roll and write mechanic in there and that'll be saying and then there's people like who just like yourself who would just say right i'm going to concentrate on this whole thing until I kind of and kind of right. see it through, and I, I go. I mean, I that's that said, I've I've taken games and set them aside and worked on something else for a while and come back uh, to it. But that's not like on a week scale. That's like I'm setting this aside for a month and working on something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So and and there are ebbs and flows in the in the publishing process too right so in that time when i was mostly done with wingspan i made other games and now wingspan is out and in may there will be a kickstarter with button shy for a game that i designed last summer called tussie mussy tussie mussy so it's yes what's that about i'm intrigued it's it is inspired by the Victorian fad of flower language, assigning meanings to flowers and giving people very meaningful bouquets. All them. right. Okay. So it's like tell, giving people a message by depending on what bouquet you give them. Yes. Um, so it's a, I mean, it's button shy. It's an 18-card game, very yeah. light, but um, I split you choose kind of mechanic where... Um, you draw two cards and offer them to the person next to you, but one is mm. face up and one is face down. Right. And they have to decide whether they want the known thing or if they think they could do better by taking the face down thing that they don't know what it is. And then the cards all sort of affect each other's scoring depending on what you've collected over the course of the game. That that sounds quite complicated. For but it's cards. I mean you're getting like four cards. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's not that <laughs> totally bad. I probably yeah. struggle a bit. Right. <laughs> I'm not that good with more than three three cards. Is probably my my kind of my limit. Was that the um, was that the Gen Cant 
That was Jen Chant, right? Yep. Okay, so does that mean that this year is it going to be Gen Con then for you? I will be at Gen Con this year. So there yes. you go. So what what's what's everybody going to do without? Are you still going to make a little game though? Oh, for Gen Can't. Yeah. Probably not. I enjoyed the experience. Well, I don't know what the contest will be this year, right? It's not button shy every year, so who knows? No, no, maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll have something appropriate. But um, I found the process of designing an 18-card game a very interesting challenge and incredibly refreshing after having worked on a 170-card deck for <laughs> a long time before that. Um, but I'm not, like... It's not my preferred design space. So, so Tussie Mussie come after Wingspan then? Yes. And it wow. was an incredibly fast design process. It just like sort of all fell together at once. Did you kind of like I just wake up one morning and went, oh, this is it. This is what we're doing. Give me those 18 cards. I'm going to make that. Or did you look at the, did you look at the Gen Cant competition and went, right, okay, I'm going to work around this, but I've got an idea in my head on how it's going to, how it's going to come together. Yeah. So they announced the contest and I looked through my list that I keep of themes that might be fun to work on someday. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I could do something with, and I think I had heard. Both Jeff Engelstein and Jamie Stegmeier in separate forums, like right before that, had both talked about how they love I Split You Choose mechanics and people mm-hmm. don't use them enough. I was like, okay, so I picked a theme and I picked a mechanic and I <laughs> made something up. And that's coming to Kickstarter next year. That'll be in May 2019. 20, well, this year. So just in a couple Sorry, months. I'm still yeah. trying to get used to the old 2018, 2019. Yeah. Kind of split kind of thing. Um, with Wingspan, when you were developing Wingspan, did you, at the time, think, okay, this is just another game I'm developing? Did you have a plan at the time to maybe, you know, take it to Kickstarter or kind of pitch it to publishers when you first had something? Because there must have been a point through the design process where you went, actually, this isn't just a case I've got something. This is actually a case of this is potentially going to be something which people are going to, you know, people are really going to like. Yeah, I mean, I think I went through a process that a lot of brand new designers go through, which is sort mm. of having to learn what it would actually mean to work with a publisher versus going through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I think Kickstarter has become so popular now that a lot of designers start out assuming that that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and only some of them realize how much work it is before they really jump into that oh, yeah. pond. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I really did a lot of reading and chatting, and you know, I met more people in the industry and realized like doing a Kickstarter is completely antithetical to everything that I enjoy doing, and mm-hmm. like my skill sets. Like, I'm a big introvert. I don't yeah. want to be, um drumming up support for myself on my own like going and hawking my wares at conventions or whatever you have to do to build up a kickstarter following i don't um <laughs> just hawking my wares i just imagine you like st- st- sliding up to a convention table and just going um do you like some various um kind of north american birds sir 
for madam. Exactly. Can How I interest you in some eggs, sir? Madam, no. <laughs> no, cards, no. Decent artwork. Well, the artwork's not in the cards yet. You can imagine. <laughs> well, right. And so then, so I decided to pitch it and I went to Gen Con and met with some publishers and sort of yeah. learned how that whole process worked. And then even at that point, I don't think I realized like what a difference it can make to work with a great publisher. But I mean, so it's not just the marketing stuff, which Jamie Stegmeyer really knows what he's doing with, yeah. but also, and honed through Kickstarter, right? I'm not saying Kickstarter is a bad route. Like if, if that is your personality and you think you would be good at it, by all means, I'm just, it is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I see this. I mean, I see it all the time. I see it on a regular basis where I've got, I speak to like some absolutely fantastic designers, developers, and the game itself is fantastic. And they're just like, um, you know, 85% of Kickstarter seems to be about the marketing and creating the noise. Right. So there's a lot of games out there, and I see, see it all the time. They just get cancelled. They get part way through, and the the guys are just saying, "Look, it's not going to happen." Or it funds, and then they're just saying, "Look, I, it, this is probably just going to not go the way it's I'm going to going." And I'm seeing that a lot more, and I think that being a game designer, and I've said this lots of times now, is a if it's a Kickstarter thing, it's not just about being a game designer. You have to be so many other things and for some people that's just that's just not their bag it's not what they it's not the reason that they picked up you know some sheets of white paper and a pen and started cutting them up with scissors at the beginning you know that's not the reason they didn't want to to be the to be doing um live streams and you know, right, and like negotiating <laughs> with manufacturers. Yeah. And what, I mean, finding artists. The art part would be fun, probably for me. That would be my thing, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed working. So that was like one of the huge things that going with the publisher did for me was that you know Stonemeyer sprung for all the art up front. Wow! And I just got to like look at pretty pictures coming through every now and then <laughs> from the artists. <laughs> Didn't just really like have to do anything have about it. I'll have that one, that one. I'll have those two. I don't yeah. like that one. Kind yeah. of thing was. It was. What was there the- was not a lot of. I don't like that one. They they know what they're doing. But, um, yeah, and then, but the development process with Stonemaier, I think, was the thing that I didn't think about or comprehend going into it of like how much you can get from a publisher that really knows what they're doing in terms of. Mm-hmm. Like, Really taking a game that when I went and pitched it, I was like, this game is as good as I can make it. And it, it was already a you know good, solid game. People really yeah. liked it. And then we just amped it up from there, you know? What's and the, pitching, I, what's I the pitching process like for Jamie? I mean, he comes across as kind of affable and friendly, and, and he is, you know, approachable. Yes. He's just like, just you know, always. it's like... And was it kind of, when you were pitching to him, obviously you would have been aware of his work, and I can't imagine anybody that's designed a board game not 100% being aware of kind of what Jamie's achieved in his back catalogue. Was there kind of, did he make the pitching process kind of easy maybe compared to kind of other other people? Or hmm. 
or was he very kind of was he kind of gent you know I could imagine him being kind of very kind of fair but kind yeah. of then hitting you with the questions that you kind of had to you know what about this have you thought about that have you thought about that and if you don't have your answers he's kind of like okay I'm gonna have to put you to the to the middle <laughs> or the bottom of the pile kind of thing I would say that in person, all three of the publishers that I met with were kind of Care Bear-like. Like, I didn't have right, any okay. uncomfortable interactions. Mm-hmm. But the way it worked with Jamie was, so he, and, and Alan Stone was there actually too, the Stone part of Stonemeyer. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever sees that is actually an existing person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know that And was. he was lovely. <laughs> um, so I, I met with the two of them. In their little Stonemeyer room at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave me feedback on the spot, but they didn't really ask for my reactions to that feedback on the spot, which mm-hmm. is nice. Like, you can't necessarily process all of that in the moment. You're super nervous. And, yeah. Um, so, and what everyone said, I, I think this is fairly common. All three of my meetings resulted in work, them saying, we're going to have an internal meeting with our within our company after Gen Con to go over all of the pitches that we saw during Gen Con, and we will reach back out to you. So there, I'm sure there are some games that are like immediately, here's a contract on site, but I think it's fairly I, common mm. that you get this, like, we want to think about everything across the whole weekend. We haven't seen everything we're going to see yet. Yeah. Um, I think you get themes kind of occurring and things like that as well. I think I think yeah. I think I'm, I'm I think in the last week I think I've seen about maybe four MOBA style kind of games on Kickstarter, which is obviously this kind of mobile kind of almost like a video game version. Little groups kind of attacking, kind of like yeah. a, a main area and stuff like that. And I've kind of seen I must have seen about three or four of them on Kickstarter. So I wonder. If that's kind of like the diplomatic way of gathering everything up and actually seeing, right? Um, seeing kind of what's out there. I can't imagine. I, I must imagine. I mean, there must be some cases where they kind of like say, "Okay, this is amazing. We need to have this. Here's your, here's your kind of contract." Right. I guess, but um, right. And but, so then, out of that, I did get an email back from them that was like, yeah. "We are kind of interested. We think it might need some more work before we actually sign it." Right. What are your reactions to the feedback we gave you? And it was like a pop quiz. Thank God I took notes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just like end up doing a Jedi. Remind me what the Jedi mind trick exactly. <laughs> kind of. Uh, well, that depends. What feedback do you mean in particular? <laughs> but yeah, so I did take notes and I did have ideas about how I would address some of the things that they said. And said okay great go do those things and then send me your prototype wow so yeah that was that and then exciting. from there was we continued sort of that process of i would send him a prototype and he would write me an email and say these are some things i'm thinking about you know we should work on this da, da, da. and then i'd go off and work on it for a while longer and send it back to him so the development was very much like him giving me feedback but then me actually having to implement it did you have kind of like a, a kind of, I guess, an unwritten kind of agreement? Or did they did they actually signed it by that time? Or they, or was it the case they were saying, well, we're kind of interested, but you need to do kind of X, Y, and Z? They signed it after that I sent them the physical prototype that reacted to their Gen Con comment. Ah, cool. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. And that, so then I wasn't working entirely on spec at that point. <laughs> this is probably really going to happen. Because it could have been nothing worse than if you were like ended up having like three other publishers kind of interested, oh, <laughs> and then right, they right, said, right. "Oh, can yeah. you change it to this? Or can you change it to that bit?" And then you end up effectively with like three or four different games. <laughs> well, right, exactly and no publisher thing. wants to put in that energy. I think at no. the point that they're really going back and forth on the development, they want it. Mm. They want to know that it's theirs. When I mean, when it kind of sunk in. That you're dealing with Stonemaier Games. Was there a point in you that kind of you looked in the mirror and went, oh, "I'm dealing with Stonemaier Games," and then went, "Look, it's going to have the little side. I've got scythe." Well, Did you leave like copies of scythe around and kind of euphoria and viticulture and and then people said, "Well, what's that?" <laughs> and you went, "Well, look, you see that? See the Stonemaier symbol? That's going to be a packet. That's going to be me. I'm part of this family now." Well, kinda the funny like, thing is, so I pitched it at Gen Con 2016, and that's the year that scythe came out. Wow. So he was like becoming that big a deal as we were having these conversations. When That's I was so pitching, I didn't feel quite as ballsy as I turned out to have been in the in retrospect. Really? I don't know. <laughs> you said you're introvert. Just slam your hand on the table and says, "Right, sign it now." Steg Steg Stegmeyer. Is that even how you say your name? I'm gonna call you something else. <laughs> when you did, um kind of finish off the prototype how f- how far was it beyond when you actually started to kind of see the kind of the art the kind of the finish um the finished kind of items i mean how long was it before you saw the, like mm. the dice tower i mean the, the dice, dice tower was pretty late in the in the game yeah in the development um cuz it changed significantly even from that point that it was signed mm-hmm. um like there was no player map when I pitched it to them. There was a lot, a bunch of the birds had powers on them, but we really amped that up. And the fact, and the way that they, um, that they're really an engine that repeats over and over. That came out of the development process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but at what point did I start seeing the art? This. He had I, the artist start on the birds before we were completely done with the gameplay, because we knew that would take a long time. Yeah. I also didn't pitch it with 170 cards. Jamie wanted to really make the deck awesome and bigger. Um, but so, yeah, so there was a, like a core set of birds that we knew would definitely be in that that they started working on earlier, and then. The player mat, we got sort of a mock-up from Beth Sovel of the player mat art, but I didn't see the final art, I don't think, until I got the proofs that were like about to go off to the manufacturer. Um, Did that take it to a whole different level then? Because oh, I think yeah. one I mean that must have been like um that must have been completely strange to see kinda like everything you worked for and somebody was kind of like taking it to kind of like the next level and it was a different was it was it how you imagined it or was it different to how you imagined it i mean um i would say it was, was better it, a lovely, it must have been a lovely <laughs> I moment i don't think i had even like conceived of how beautiful it could be you know what i mean with all the pieces i mean the cards were 
kind of how I imagined them, more or less. I mean, on my prototype, for the first 50 or so cards, I put placeholder art on. You know, I took, like, a photo of the bird off of the internet or whatever. So you had a feeling of what it would be like to have this Mm. nice tableau of the birds. But then, as I was building the deck bigger and bigger, I wasn't bothering to do that anymore. Because I knew the art was coming from somewhere else. And, like, why bother? Um, yeah. So yeah. I was playtesting a lot with this deck that was like half blank cards art wise. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so then to get this beautiful well, full deck in the end was just, yeah, it's amazing. Have you still got that? Do you still have that set on a shelf somewhere with all the, the parts? The part- I have like a million. Pro- so my old prototype cards yeah. are, I have like a lifetime supply of. Two and a half inch by three and a half inch scrap paper. <laughs> we write well, our shopping lists on them. We write oh our goodness. phone messages on them. <laughs> just like <laughs> scraping the car when it gets icy, going give us a couple of those cards over. Firelighters. I literally you know, have like a shoebox of old cards that I just use as scrap paper. Say anybody like, okay, we've just had a bit of turkey. Does anyone want a card to maybe pick their teeth? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many uses I hadn't even thought of. I mean, they just got there's so many, so many, so many different kind of uses. What about things like the eggs and things like that? Because that was the other thing that people have kind of been losing, losing their little yeah. minds over. Is by going like, "There's eggs in this game." It's like I don't know yeah. who physically designed the eggs. <clears throat> I've never, heard, I never heard a name from Jamie, but whoever did it did such a nice job. So when I, I, I always sort of pictured the eggs more like M&M's or Skittles, you know, that they're rounded but they're flat so they won't roll around. I did not dare to imagine that you could actually, like, they did such a nice job weighting them so that, it, like, you set it down and it's not tippy. Like, they don't roll around. I don't know how they did that. These, uh, these ovoid objects that don't roll. And if you do knock it over and it rolls, it, like, rolls in a circle. Just, it doesn't roll like, off the table. How did they do that? <laughs> Just waited at one end. It's not magic. But <laughs> I could just imagine, but I could also imagine you kind of like spending hours with your little eggs, just tipping them over and just watching them roll around the table. And no. then just calling your husband over and going, look, look, honey, look, every single time. Look, click. There, look, see, every single time. It's just like going... Elizabeth, goodness sake, every single time I know we've been doing this for four and a half hours, can we just leave the eggs alone? <laughs> How many eggs have you got? Are they all over the house as well? No, I just have the one set that came in my top. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We did all the, we picked the colors just on, like, Jamie sent me d- digital photos of the color swatches that Panda sent him for the plastic that they used. I was like, yes, these are relatively <laughs> egg-like colors use those so you move on you get everything kind of finished and then it starts going out to people and the response is a lot of people are talking but they're not just talking about it they're saying this is a really really good game this is really really excellent to the point that there seems to be a massive demand for wingspan to the point that Jamie Stegmeyer puts out a block <laughs> saying, <laughs> distributors, we need to talk about, you know, 
the current kind of manufacturing climate and generating enough copies of Wingspan so they go out to, to everybody that's kind of out there. I mean, obviously Jamie's got, there's some precedent with Jamie. I mean, he's obviously, you know, as I say, Scythe, Viticulture, Euphoria, um, Charterstone. I mean, he, he creates he creates really, really good games. Um, did you, were you expecting it just to be kind of like, wow, everybody's really, really liking what they're playing and all you're hearing is kind of like positive feedback? I mean, I expected people to like it. But, you know, I was fairly confident in it. But there's a lot of good games out there. I didn't expect Tom Vassell to put out a review and be like, this is a serious contender for best game, one of the best ten games of the year, and it's only January. Like, where the hell did that come from? (laughs) That's something you just can't expect, right? I just just imagine that. It's just like that. Elizabeth, Tom Vassell's done a video. I know, but look at the eggs. Click. <laughs> Click. Click. They never fall down. I know, but Tom Vassell said it's, I don't care, look. Click. Kind of thing. But then, of course, it got to the point you can't get a copy anywhere now. It's kind of like seems to be sold out. It's impossible. I, you know, what is, what's light blue and invisible? My copy of Wingspan. I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, I'm not being kind of judgmental or anything like that. I am... Um, I'm usually a wait and see her anyway. I kind of like I like to see how things kind of settle down, kind of after the piece, and it does look really. really so what you're lovely. saying is we're having this whole conversation, and you've never played one of my games, right? What I'm saying is we're having this whole conversation, and I, there's a lot of people I haven't played a lot of their games either. Right. So it's not a case this is a new thing, you know. Right. As I say, I I can talk to lots of people. It doesn't necessarily mean I've played a lot of their games. You know, Isaac Vega, when he was on, he was one of the rare ones that have actually played their games. Everybody else? Don't know. You know. Um, Stephen Bonacore was on the other day, and I not only had played his game, but I didn't like it. <laughs> that was that was a bit awkward. I think that would be even worse. Yeah. That was so a bit I'll awkward, pass, though. Then. I kind of joked on that, but it was a bit awkward. No, but I can't play it. How could I have played any of your games if... Wingspan's not really available. There's a shortage. But yeah, I mean, I really I feel for Jamie with the in that post he talked about how hard it is to gauge demand and yeah, yeah. You know, at least with his games that he's put out, he's the designer, right? But here, here he was coming out with a game by a designer that no one had ever heard of, and yeah. on a theme that was kind of a risk. I mean, I think. In the end, it has turned out to be a real asset for the game, especially because the theme drew drove such beautiful art. It's just eye candy. Um, but like, so he was taking a risk on a new designer and on an unusual theme. And so, how many like how many copies do you need? Who knows? Exactly. I mean, and and it's even if you go with a Stegmire minimum, because he would have had a Stegmire minimum and says, okay, we're going to order X number of copies, because he would have had Which he obviously did. The previous games. Yeah, he would have done that. But then the kind of obviously the kind of the the, bu- the kind of the buzz around it. Do you think it's because is it is it because it's quite tactile because it looks unusual when you get it to the table? It's going to be the people. Do you know? what? I'll tell you what. When I saw it set up, for some reason, it reminded me of. Everdale, yeah, just I can because see that. there's a f- 
there's a focus point. There's a focus point in it. You know, it, uh, normally other games you don't have like a central focus point. I saw like the kind of the almost like the the kind of the bird box dice tower type thing, and and then the eggs kind of sitting, uh, lovely eggs sitting there. And I thought that, and then I remembered, oh, Everdale's kind of okay. It's completely different, completely separate. But there is a focus point. They've got the tree at the side of the board, which kind of like. It kind of piques interest and stuff like that. Um, I mean, what is it? Just a case now, sitting back and waiting. I mean, are you just gonna? I mean, you're gonna see how it sells. I mean, I take it this is going to be something that you're going to probably be sitting about in June, and people are going to be still be waiting for for copies. Uh, I mean, so or, he's already or, ordered another huge batch. Wow. So he okay. so he. Printed 15,000 copies for the initial print run, or really 10, and then kind of got an inkling that it was going to be something and, and tacked some extras on. But, um, and I, I, I don't want to give the wrong numbers. He sold a good chunk of those in the first mm. week on his website and then said, okay, I'm cutting off online sales. Everything else is going to distributors to go to all the local game stores that have also been taking mm. pre orders. But what I've heard from a couple stores and what he said basically in his blog is that those game stores then took more pre-orders than there was than there were physical copies that were going to be yeah. out able to be mailed to them by March 8th and it's supposed to go out in retail so I think in most locations on March 8th when it is you know the retail release date all the copies are spoken for already is my impression but he's ordered another 15,000 copies that will be arriving in April-ish, I believe. Um, and then that, I think, will probably soak up a bunch more of the demand, and then we'll see where we go from there. I am I very mean, happy not to be in any of that decision-making process. Again, I'm not, like, I'm not, not my I'm bag. Not I'm not so in those happy meetings. to have someone else worrying about it. <laughs> just avoiding those meetings like a plague, even Jamie. I mean, Saint I Jamie. don't even have to avoid them. They just It is not my job. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, to put it, to put it in per... I guess to put it into perspective, okay, is it 15,000? I mean, it's usually on a Kickstarter... It's a minimum order of usually a thousand for a manufacturer, right. you know. And I think you know this is putting this completely into perspective. It is like you know that is um, that's you know that's how much that's how many you're expected to make. The manufacturer won't touch you unless you kind of um, you know you're kind of bringing in those numbers. If we do like a comparison, <laughs> and I'm just kind of bringing this in just from the sideways our good friends um, Mark and Tom and Lacey at Orange Nebula, they're running their Vindication board game kind of expansion Kickstarter and they're almost at um, $450,000 worth of pledges and that is that's that's only that's about 6,100 backers right so if you you know right. that's that the scale is the just, scale is just yeah, mind blowing. It's just and kind of I actually I, I never had a conversation with Jamie early on about like okay what kind of how many copies are we talking about? I happened to hear in passing a few month like sometime last summer or fall mm -hmm. he was on some podcast that I happened to listen to when he said his minimum print run was ten thousand copies. 
and my jaw just dropped. I didn't actually realize that we were talking about that kind of volume for wingspan. So, I just I didn't know because I'm used to seeing those sort of Kickstarter yeah, exactly. level numbers. You yeah, know? used to seeing like you know three hundred, six hundred copies in them. The guys people are just happy to have their games out in the world, exactly. right? And great, exactly. Like, yes, and then they're taking the extra copies to kind of like Gen Con to sell, or Origins to sell, or to Eschen Spiel to sell. You know, I mean, to be in the level that you're on is kind of like, um, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's a case of okay. So you've got what are you going to do for your second album, the second difficult album? I mean, obviously. There is a little bit of that feeling, isn't there? It's kind of like, what you do next? I was just thinking about this the other day, right? So I, when I um, got out of school, I got a job with the Department of Health and Human Services here in D.C., and then I went and I worked on Capitol Hill for a few years, and that was like my dream job, Yeah. right? Like something that I had been thinking about since high school. I was always very politically active. And by the age of 30, I was like, wow, I had my dream job, and I hate it. I have to get out of here. <laughs> And now I'm like, okay, great. So my first game, oh, this dream that I've had for years and years is now like this smash hit. Now what do I do? What is it? I mean, I don't know. I think your next game has to be like completely different. Like I think you should go like kind of dark magic, Cthulhu, heavy death metal rock skirmish game. I will promise you right now that I am never going to make a game about Cthulhu. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Well, and in a sense, Tussie Mussy will be like the complete opposite, right? It's like this tiny little game. Exactly. But then again, if you think about but it... But still, this very pleasant natural theme. That's just me. Well, just imagine the Kickstarter page. You don't actually need to put anything on it. You just have to put from the creator of Wingspan. <laughs> Instead. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly fund it. Stick a card with a bird in it. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's such an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? Because, I mean, some designers do really sort of have a body of work, and yeah. each game that you can play by them is noticeably in their style, and so, you know, they're often very similar weight. Mm -hmm. Um,. And maybe once I've published many games, you'd be able to say that about some chunk. Like, I do have sort of a natural weight and theme type, you know, maybe mechanics type stuff that I gravitate towards. But, boy, you won't be able to say it with Wingspan and Tussie Mussie. <laughs> they could not be more different. Do you, feel, do you feel a little bit of pressure? Except maybe on theme. Do you feel a little bit of pressure? No, I mean, it's a, it's a sweet little game. Yeah. It's a sweet little game, and people will enjoy it or they won't. It's like, it's it's such a small game and a low price point. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, I can't believe I spent $15 or whatever <laughs> button charges for you. Know, All you need to do... <laughs> I was expecting wingspan. Just put, just put a wingspan promo card in and it'll just... <laughs> Fly out the door. Oh my they go, god! They go daft for that kind of thing. But then, <laughs> on the other side, you do get designer developers that they say they have the success, and they stay within kind of what they've been doing. I mean, you know, going back to Jamie, there's you could have the argument that in terms of base mechanics, there's not a huge. I can see the, I guess, the roots from. Um, save between viticulture and scythe in terms of the general base 
kind of mechanics, the kind of the worker placement style mm. thing of it. Charterstone again, you know, worker placement, except on the the legacy mm-hmm. level. Are you again? Are you kind of saying, well, I'm going to stay within these level of mechanics, or do you think, well, actually, I maybe want to do something completely, completely different for your, let's say, your third game? Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I'm in the process of pitching a game right now. Actually, I just went to the post office this morning. Really. Um, and that is all about moving pieces around on a map. That's all you're gonna say, isn't it? That's all There's you're gonna say. There's a little bit of an engine to it, but it's 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 quite different. Is it, I mean, has this opened up your op- is this opened up? You, I mean, you just said, oh, I've discovered I was like kind of at thirty years old. I was in a job I really didn't like, and it was my dream job. <laughs> but has this opened you up to the possibility of saying, well, actually, um, this could be a career opportunity or it could be at least something which allows me to kind of do what I do on a day job on a part-time basis and spend a lot of my time kind of being kind of like a, you know, successful board game designer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so the answer to that question is more complicated than (laughs) you anticipated when you asked it because I had already gone part-time in my job before. Before I started designing Wingspan, I think. Ah, right. Yeah. Um, which is what gave me some of the time to do it. I don't know, it's okay. complicated because I'm, I'm freelance now. Yeah. And so it's like this very, like, more than full time and then weeks when I don't have anything going on. Freelance work is wacky like that and you just have yeah, to kind of yeah, roll with yeah. it and know that you like I had built up a big cushion before I went for that mm-hmm. jump but that was not directly related to game design I wouldn't say it was unrelated I wanted more control over my schedule and I wanted um, to charge higher rates and you know <laughs> there are good things about going freelance but um, yeah so I don't know it, I Game design is definitely taking up more and more of my free time, and I haven't totally figured out what it would look like to create more free time by ramping down my consulting even more. Yeah. It's it's hard to get completely out of that income stream. It's a pretty nice one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah, I suppose. If you're kind of used to, yeah, I suppose if it means cutting down the hours means kind of like, well, it has a major impact on on your finances. Right. I mean, it's, you know, unless you have got that cushion. I mean, that's why so many creators have jobs because, right. you know, there are going to be, there are going to be kind of the famine and the feast type things. And as long as you've kind of like got a steady, you know, a steady income so you can at least afford sandwiches, then, you know, it's all, it's all right. kind of good and it's all kind of, it's all kind of fine. And I don't the- think I would want to get to the point with games where I felt pressure that I had to do a certain number of them in a certain time frame. Yeah. Yeah, like I like just being done when I'm done and finding someone to pitch it to. Yeah, and there's also the re- the reputation. Like I don't want to feel pressure. And your success, isn't it, as well? Because, you, you know, everybody has, you know, they say everybody's got a good game and, you know, everybody's got a board game in them. Some of them might not necessarily set the world on fire. And there's that thing where you could do, you know, you could just be doing a string of success after success after success. Or you could have one where you could have a bump in the road and then you're like, oh, what do I do now? I better (laughs) better get back on the kind of the the freelancing. Has, I mean, with you being kind of more involved in the industry, as as I say, as in 
Um, has that meant that you're playing more games? Have you got a have you got a, a substantial collection now of games? Do you even need to worry about buying games? Are people just sending you stuff left, right, and center? I mean, is your doorbell constantly going? They're definitely not sending me. For, does that happen? Could I just people like wingspan and they just start sending me presents? I that think would be awesome. that is, has to be I'll a take thing. Games. You know, as I mean, is there any games? <laughs> I mean, is there any games in a hypothetical sense? Is there any games that you know you if you would if you could have? Is there any games that you would like to have in your collection that maybe you know people listening could make that happen? (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a fairly small collection. Yeah, I'm kind of a Marie Kondo acolyte. I know she's getting a lot of hate right now with her new TV show. I haven't actually watched the TV show, but the whole concept of like. Wanting everything in a collection to be something that you are like excited about. Um, I really like, and my husband is not a huge gamer, also. So, our, we have sort of a gender reversed household for most people's gaming experience, I think. Um, so I try, you know, we have a fixed amount of shelf space devoted to board games. And if I want to bring a new board game in at this point, I need to get rid of something. And, really? Um, there's some ways to fudge that. But um, <laughs> but I like that under concept, the couch. too, of, like, if I'm bringing something, I have a finite amount of time to play games, right? And actually, that's another thing that I did not realize when I started designing games. It really cuts into your the amount of time you have to play exactly. published games because exactly. you're spending a ton of time playtesting. Exactly. I mean, you're um, saying to me, oh, you've never played one of my games. It's like, well, I don't have time to play games because we're currently having a conversation right. about your game. So it's Inception, isn't it? <laughs> You know, I'd like to. T- How should you really be spending this I'd hour? I'd like to be playing. I'd like to be playing Wingspan, but first of all, right? I don't have a copy of the game, okay? Due whatever, okay. Secondly, I can't be playing the game anyway because otherwise you'd be like you'd be like listening to podcast. I wouldn't be talking Hello? to you. Hello. Hello. Well, here's <laughs> me shuffling about in in the background, me going, just look at these eggs. They're just like. <laughs> Every time, they don't roll off the table. Like, don't, don't, even, don't even roll off the table. <laughs> um, but I mean, I and kind of going forward, um, are you thinking expansions and stuff like that for Wingspan? We are. I'm actively working on one. Wow. Um, Jamie has the only thing that is public is that we are thinking about them in terms of doing one expansion per continent. Have you have you thought about because all of the birds in the base game are North American birds? I was going to say. So now I have started. Yeah, a new set. I was going to say, are you going to do the Monty Python one, where you have a kind of a swallow, the dead parrot? No, I was going to think the African and European swallow, and which one can carry a coconut. There should be a way to work that in a reference to, to that, that somehow. That has to be. I would think. The dead parrot might be a little harder. I think the dead parrot. <laughs> it's just you get that card in your hand and it's like, no, nah, it doesn't do anything, mate. <laughs> Except what happens is it it does something for the first five minutes and then it's just, it, its mechanics no longer work. It's a timed card. <laughs> and you can't return it to your hand easily. You can't return it back to the deck. Kind of easily. You've got to do certain things. 
things in order to get you know in order to get rid of it i do i have no idea i'm just going off in some this is asshole. feeling like a promo card it is feeling like a promo it could, it could card happen. it could it definitely Jerry has could been happen. known to do sort of fan generated <clears throat> he did oh well yeah i mean like that, let's you so. know scythe has got entire content that was, yeah i mean anything. and there was also um some of the expansions were based around people kind of approaching him in expansion so I think either the dead parrot or the African European swallow thing from Monty Python is a definite goer that's all I'm saying you heard it first here um (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness um for people that are wanting to keep an eye on kind of what you're up to in the kind of the hobby where where do we find you on the internet interweb nets um, so I, for board game stuff, am most active on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is my name, except my name is too damn long, so it's only the first four letters of my first name, <laughs> so it's at Eliz Hargrave. There you go. At- um, and then for Wingspan, there's an incredibly active facebook group right okay it has like three thousand people in it and they are posting pictures of the game and also just random pictures of birds it's awesome that must be so cool kind of going on there and saying like you know four years ago this was just an idea and look at it there's a facebook i mean there's a facebook group there of like doing all different types that must be so cool and also weird Kind of like the same it's very time. Weird. Yes, it is both of those things. Awesome. I mean, that, yeah, there's so many awesome parts of it. I mean, so there's like this set of people who are like, oh my God, I can't believe Jamie Stegmeier is publishing a game about birds. That is the most ridiculous thing, but it's Jamie Stegmeier, so I'm going to take a chance on yeah. it. And then, like, oh my God, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, I love birds now. So that's been really fun. And then there's this set of people that uh. are like, Games and birds are my two hobbies. They are the only things that I care about, and I love you forever. That's awesome. You know, oh, it's just wow. there's like all these little subsets of the population in this Facebook group. It's really oh, fun. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, Wingspan's officially out on eighth of March. Uh, good luck getting hold of one if you've not pre-ordered. And yes, but April. April, they should be more, April, more in circulation. Should be more in April. But, you know, I was going to say good luck if you've pre ordered one as well, because you might turn up as like, yeah, God. Yeah, no, I think I think a lot of stores took more pre orders than they are going um, to have copies in March. And I, they will have to figure out how to handle that. Presumably, first come, for, you know, first ordered, first served. I know. But I'll leave that up to them. Absolutely. Not my job. Absolutely. Um, Thank you very, very much for coming on. Absolutely. This has been, been this has been a lot of fun. Um for everybody who's been listening, if you want, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, then you can go to the internet webs and if you search for We're Not Wizards, you'll find us. You'll find us on our website, we're not wizards.com, you'll find us on Twitter, We're Not Wizards, Facebook, We're Not Wizards, you'll find us on YouTube, We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, you'll find us on Instagram, We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on, well, you can email us, which is magic at wearenotwizards.com if you want to. Um, if you like what you've heard, you can continue to follow us for whatever reason through the podcast catchers that are available, your Stitchers, your Spreakers, your Acasts, and Pod Knives and Pod Beans and all those wonderful, fantastic things. Um, 
If you have liked what you've listened to tonight, then you can do two things. Um, tell somebody else, basically. Um, uh, the other thing you can do is if you jump onto Apple Podcasts, then you can drop us a rating or a review. And if we, as we normally say, if you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. We're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful, rather fantastic, the suddenly successful... (laughs) I'm not going to sing the song. (laughs) Elizabeth Hargrave, thank you very, very much for coming on. Thank you so much. And there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Elizabeth? We are not wizards. There you go. And the the other thing to do is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Elizabeth. Say goodbye, Elizabeth. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, uh, stay safe, rollsixes.com. And um, if you can get a game of Wingspan, if you can get a copy of Wingspan, if you can get a look at some photographs of some Wingspan <laughs> just now, do it because um, it sounds like everybody that's I know that's played it says it's really really good and I still don't have a copy but maybe next time I will but until the next time goodbye a wizard is never late <laughs> Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.